the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I always appreciate it. Investing doesn't have to be made tough. And if investors were entirely rational and data-driven, the volume of trading in a particular stock would largely depend on how that company is expected to perform, but it's not that way. People get very, very emotional. Investors... uh can't keep things simple. Yet we learn very early in life some of the simplest things. A, B, C, D. And that's where we build our basics off of. We jump into finances, or not we, but some people do, with very high expectations that we're going to be good at it without learning the ABCs, per se. Companies have long known uh, ways of tricking us. And that's something you have to know starts in the yellow pages, but it goes all the way to Wall Street as well. So if you go to the yellow pages, or I guess yellow pages aren't even relevant anymore, right? The whole AA plumbing, AA carpenters, just because you're listed first doesn't mean you're number one. So know that corporations do the same thing on Wall Street, is that sometimes they'll show you what you want to see. Uh, you'll see companies that have like uh, names like Altria. Not only does it start with the letter A, but it sounds awesome, doesn't it? It sounds altruistic and uh, wonderful. Trulia, that's another stupid one. Uh, but Altria is the dumbest one, in my opinion, and it kind of tricks us a little bit because when we... Or Mondelez. <laughs> Mondelez makes mac and cheese, right? Kraft. Uh, Kraft Mac and Cheese probably kills more Americans every year than smoking does, which Altria makes those little cigarette sticks uh, that if you plant turn into cigarette trees, and if you smoke them, they actually kill you with lung cancer and other horrible diseases. Uh, what's my point here is learn to start simpler and learn to like look at a company for earnings expectations. When you see a company like Apple earn... $14 billion in a quarter, 
and you look at their market cap, you're like, okay, $600 billion, and they earn $14 billion. You're like, okay, maybe let's say carry this. It'll take about seven, ten. It'll take about 10 years for them to earn all that back and be worth the whole company. The earnings will pay for the whole company. And then you're like, okay, I'm starting to get this. Start a little bit slower. So don't go into, you know, companies with fancy names. Um, I think that was one of the biggest mistakes that I remember seeing people make in the 90s and early 2000s is that a company that does well is what what people want. When the stock does well, it's what, what people want. Not necessarily when the company itself does well, but when the company's stock does well. And there's a big difference. So try to tighten yourself a little bit as an investor. I think uh, try to uh, make yourself just a little bit smarter, and I think it'll go a long way. Speaking of a long way, you want your money to go a long way in retirement. Do you not? Uh, I saw an email the other day. I'm a 73-year-old retired. I'd like to know what is the safest way to protect my funds with little to no risk. Uh, my required minimum distribution this year is going to be 13000 Is Is Betterment a safe way to go? And I saw recently the CEO of LendingTree stepped down uh, because of some shadiness in their books, and the stock got pummeled. LendingTree I bring up in large part because it's one of those financial tech companies that ultimately they do loans to people, or people do loans to other people, peer-to-peer lending. And we think... Oh, it's a financial tech. No, it's just a financial company that has a new way of doing business, and you can't value it as a tech company. You have to value it as a financial company, and people are starting to figure that out. So when I see someone say, you know, is Betterment a good way to go? Betterment is one of those new uh, robo-advisors. So, you know, first things first, when you hear someone 73 years old, you say, congratulations. Like, you're retired, you're 73, that's wonderful. There is something to be said for that. I know it's it sounds goofy for me to say, but I haven't hit 73 yet, and I know it takes takes work to get there. So, you know, assuming that your IRA is about 325,000, which is what would it would take to be pulling about 13,000, uh, you also have some income coming in from Social Security. You know, you do a little mathematics here. The question said, I want to protect my money against risk. Part of investing is automatically there's risk. We all love the upside, but it's hard to stomach the downside. When your portfolio is going up 12% a year, no one says, Woohoo! We need to stop this right here, right now. This is way, way, way too risky. People go, you know, they love it when it goes up, right? But when it goes down, they get a little freaked out. So, if you're 73 years old, you you know the, how this works. There's ups and downs, but generally there's ups. Seven years out of 10 years, you're up. So when you're 73, you're like, I don't know if I've got three more years. So you do cut the risk of your pro- portfolio, but only if you have enough to live till the day you die. Only if you've decided that you can't change anything in your life, like your budget, your lifestyle. I do think it's important for most of us in retirement to park some of our money in high-yield money market accounts so that you can at least uh, help protect yourself from a down market. There's only one problem. There's not a lot of high-yield money market accounts right now. you got to estimate how much you need to take from your portfolio for living expenses over the next three to five years, and you have to kind of build a very, very low-risk 
um, portfolio. Uh, some people go put three years in cash. Uh, some people will ladder CDs. Some people do various you know angles with that three years. But the rest of your money, you know, depending on your health, if your health is awful, you don't need to expose it to risk. If your health is great, then you may live a long time. And that's when you, another 10, 15, 20 years, that's when you need to say, what should I be doing with my, my portfolio decisions? So I think if you need to withdraw $20,000 a year for living expenses, I'd aim for the sixty dollars to $100,000 in cash reserves, again, up to three years. You could ladder it in one-third levels. Uh, one-third, you know, if it's $20,000 in a CD, $20,000 in a two-year CD, $20,000 in a three-year CD. So you're pulling out, you know, 20000 a year, and you're always replenishing that money, hopefully, with the rest of your portfolio. Now, on to the, the idea of betterment. So that's the first thing I just explained is how you get the safety in your portfolio. As far as betterment, you know, is the best place to park your money for minimum risk. Um, I like some of these robo-advisors because of their incredibly low management fees, quick account setup, diverse portfolios of low-cost ETFs, easy website navigation. Um, you know, some of the best user experiences as far as investment managements that you can get today. Some of the robo-advisors, they're, it's crisp clean. There's not a lot of sales pitch going on inside of it. But they do default you to certain asset allocation of stocks and bonds. If you want to minimize your risk, you got to lower the amount of stocks in your portfolios. And sometimes robo-advisors really fail because they're not financial planners. Robo-advisors can be great in minimizing costs for younger people. But as you get older and your portfolio and your drawdown, your requirement, the minimum distribution as far as your tolerance for risk comes in, they're not quite as good. I would stay the hell away from an annuity. Um, I caution you aggressively. A lot of uh, people in the financial world will sell them to you because they have high commissions and high fees, and that's a great way for them to put food on their table by taking money from you. Be very cautious in retirement. Don't be too conservative, but you got to know what you're doing from A to Z. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. If you ever have questions, drop me an email, Rob, at robblackshow.com. You can find me at YouTube, Rob Black Show. You can find me at Facebook, Rob Black Show. If you ever have any questions, do let me know, and uh, we can go from there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, you know, one of the things I'm always looking at, or one thing I never want to not say is, in the end, you're going to have to blame yourself if you don't have enough money for retirement, and it could come in a variety of things. Maybe you have a gambling problem or a drinking problem. Not that those are problems in and of themselves. They're expensive habits. And before we even get into the issue of addiction, because I'm not going to, uh, they're expensive habits. Um, some people 
love buying shoes. Another expensive habit. And again, I'm not here to pass judgment. I'm here to tell you, in the end, you're only going to have yourself to blame when you're 75 years old and you're living in a, a trailer and you're eating cat food. And yeah, you're going to look back and say, oh yeah, I had the best $500 pair of six-inch heels. Uh, that's right, I could, in my day I could walk on six-inch heels. So you're, there's some accountability that we're all going to have to suck up to at some point in time. I, I can name easily 100 financial mistakes that I've made uh, in the last 10 years. So what's that coming out to? I, I, I can't do the math. <laughs> I didn't know math was going to be on this. Okay, well, that's, 100 doesn't sound that bad now that I am doing the math. Um, the point being is whether it's season tickets or um, whether it's alcohol, whether it's spending $2,000 to get StubHub tickets to a playoff game. Uh, one of the things, I, I do like to go to live hockey games. And one of the things that I did was, instead of buying aftermarket tickets that are great, what I did was I found someone that had season tickets that didn't want to go to 40 games. And I said, I'll buy 10. And I got great seats, and I'm actually able to resell three of them and go to all the games for free. So out of 10, I, I sell three. I keep seven, go to the seven games for free from the profit that I sold on the three. Um, is that being smart? Yeah. How about when I was in my 20s and I bought season tickets? I got 42 games to a hockey season. Um, I think it cost me about $1,600, but that was 20-plus years ago, right? And the point being is, that's a lot of money. That's an egregious amount of money. And I, I, I can't look back on it and go, that made any sense. Um, I didn't network. I didn't, you know, use it for that. I use it for drinking beer with my friends and having a good night out and taking a couple of dates here and there kind of thing. Um, definitely, definitely are, got nothing out of it. So anyway, moving on. The number one best way for all of us to save is your 401k, your 403b, your 457. So it's a tax-efficient way. You're not paying federal taxes. And yet a lot of people have a hang-up like, yeah, I don't really feel comfortable with my money being in, you know, I want it in my bank and not, you know, Fidelity or Vanguard or TD Row, TD Ameritrade or T. Rowe Price. Okay. So... When you're 75 years old, living in a trailer, eating cat food, uh, and if you've seen cat food, it ain't cheap. So there, are, I will say this: they are making more gourmet, more organic cat foods. Maybe you got that going for you. A couple ways to make a million dollars: you could consider starting a business. Um, I did that 20 plus years ago, and instead of capping out at 150, 160,000, I was able to go way over it. And then I had the value of the business of assets that you could eventually sell. So my income became unlimited, whereas, you know, if you work for the man, if you, work, if you say you're going to be a financial person for fidelity, you're going to cap out at 120, 130, 140, 150, probably. Start your own firm. If you're good, it'll pay off. Starting a successful business can make you a millionaire, even a billionaire. Uh, but the risks are higher. So typically what I say is, if you have a spouse, consider, you know, maybe she starts the business 
and maybe he works at uh, Facebook or Yahoo or I want to say Yahoo, that's not a good one, Visa, someone who's got great corporate benefits. So on one hand, you don't have to pay for the corporate benefits, the healthcare and things along those lines from the startup person, but they have that potential to get the couple up, you know, to a million dollars in income plus or potentially wherever it lands. Save early and save often. And by the way, that's one of the things that I, I resent people about. They go to, and they look at like Barry Bonds and they're like, he makes $20 million a year. I'd play that game for free. Um, yeah, but you also didn't play baseball from age 5 to you know 30, going out there every single day and swinging the bat. He earned his money. He found a career that he made for himself. Now, in his case, he cheated and took steroids. And, you know, it's bad. It's really bad that we, we publish salaries. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just, it's just there's a bad side effect of it. Because people learn pretty much so in baseball today, you can get an 80-game suspension for using performance-enhancing drugs, come back and get a you know, $5 million a year contract. Someone's going to give it to you. Lance Armstrong showed us, you know, he, not only could he beat cancer, but there were massive tumors in his lungs. There was no way that guy was going to live. Great story. He could have been a motivational speaker making two, $3 million a year. But he got back into cycling and he decided to cheat. And he made $100 million a year. Or $100 million. Uh, and in the way, he morally destroyed a lot of families. Um, another way to make a million dollars is to save early and often. You can do it by working at the DMV. You can do it by working at a radio station. You can do it. But you have to start putting 15% of your salary away. Portfolio worth a million dollars is the gold standard for a lot of retirees. The sooner you start saving, the more likely you'll reach that goal. Nearly 60% of companies with 401k plans automatically enroll new employees, usually at a 3% contribution. But that's going to leave you well short. You need to get up to the 10, 15% areas. Uh, if an employer matches your contributions, go, woohoo, sweet, that's awesome. So the difference between uh, 3% contributions and 15% contributions uh, or 10% contributions is 3% may get you $367,000 saved by age 30. That's a 3% annual raise plus a 7% rate of return. But if you bump it up to 10%, you end up with $1.2 million. So the difference between saving 3% of your salary um, and saving 10% is about $900,000. So just saying, in the end, the only person who's going to be accountable for your retirement is you. Um, and I know what you're pointing fingers in retirement, because I, I know you wear five-inch heels. I, I know you go to Raiders games and spend egregious amounts of money. I know that you go on you know, four and a half vacations a year instead of two. 800-516-1220. I'm Rob Black. Find me at Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. I do events in the area. Uh, check them out at robblackshow.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
talking about making millions of dollars, right? It sounds pretty far-fetched from our childhood memories. But in reality, it's not that bad. It's not that hard to, you know, get to. But you got to save money. And that's a psychological issue. Because we get caught up in greed and fear and we get caught up in, you know, uh, whimsical purchases. Do you understand why companies like Home Depot and Safeway and any place in the nation that has a checkout line has stacks and stacks of candy and soda right next to the checkout? Because way back when you were shopping through the store, you had enough self-control to go, you know what, I don't need 20 Twix bars. I don't need, you know, 12 sodas. But you get in that checkout line and you go, ooh, I need... If you just look at if you just look at one of your dirty habits, and I'm not, what I'm saying not dirty habits, just let's call it one of your spending habits that you don't stop and check on. You could quickly, you know, going out to lunch every day, getting a getting two coffees a day uh, from stores. Anytime you go to a store, you're spending more than you have to uh, on food items, right? Kind of all know that. Uh, I've got no shame. Um, I like to go to some restaurants, right? So I'll jump on Costco's website and see what local restaurants have 20% off because Costco does that. And typically, you know, I've got a couple of favorite restaurants. I like Paxi's Pizza. Um, I like Town. Um, I don't need to tell you all my restaurants that I like. But if my local restaurant is running a sale, hell yeah, I'm going to get it 20% off. So have, you know, have that ability to turn some of your whims into at least a discount, but be careful. You don't really need that Twix bar at the checkout. You do it in large part because it's like... The people like Home Depot and Safeway make bank off that. So I'll tell you on the markup on that. Uh, chop your own damn vegetables and fruits. So people who buy pre-chopped, pre-cut fruits and vegetables, uh, some of the financially stupid... I, I honestly think people that play the lottery are smarter than people that buy pre-cut fruit. Um, sometimes that's your boss help. That's how you can make a million plus dollars. Uh, some employers provide valuable benefits that can help you reach your million dollar goal. Uh, for example, about 18% of private workers, more than 80% of public workers are eligible for traditional pensions uh, and restricted stock units. Shares given to employees after vested date can be lucrative if your company's stock performs well. So a lot of Silicon Valley Millionaires can attest to that. Another benefit that could be worth a lot more than you think is a health savings account. So check to see if you have one. To qualify for an HSA, you must sign up for a high deductible health insurance plan. In 2016, you can contribute up to 3350 bucks to an individual HSA or $6,700 to a family plan. That number will gauge higher over the years, not by much, but a little bit. Uh, health saving plans are a way of you, you know, telling the insurance industry, I'm not going to, you know, abuse my my health insurance. Um, I have way too many people that I know, way too many people that I know that go to the emergency room or the doctor a little too often. So one of my very good friends um, has a young child, a, a one-year-old. And uh, I think he's taken that child to an emergency room three times already because it's, it's free essentially because the kid was 
long story, but the kid gets free health care. But it's not free. The hospitals and doctors charge someone a lot of money for what sometimes is like an ear infection. Or like if you can wait till Monday, try to. So another way of becoming a millionaire is not to overspend. People who live in modest homes, drive used cars, uh, go on camping excursions for their vacations. You can undermine, you know, your thriftiness by committing money missteps along the way. Overspending on children, it's a big temptation. It's particularly strong when it's time to send your kids to college. If you, you know, you reduce or eliminate contributions to your savings plan to pay for college, you'll be hard-pressed to make up for those lost years of compounding. That's money doubles every 7.2 years, which is a much better strategy. So a family member of mine, not direct, but indirect, um, she went to a community college for two years, did really well, transferred into Berkeley. So in the end, do you think she's going to tell anyone she went to Santa Monica Community College or whatever it was? Probably not. So proud of that money-saving strategy. So another mistake that people make is, um, like I said, overspending. Just on, on really simple things. Like um, you don't need a $70,000 vehicle. You have a $70,000 vehicle to compensate you know, for failures in your life where you just weren't satisfied with what you had and your mom and dad just told you you deserve better. Something's wrong with you. If you're driving a $100,000 car, it's going to be worthless in seven years with depreciation. Something's wrong with you. I know you're saying, are you saying that people who drive $100,000 cars make you so mad that you'll lump them together? Now, again, if you have enough for retirement, do whatever the hell you want. But when you're 75 years old and you've got, you know, the, the, you're living in the trailer park, you're eating the beanies and weenies, um, and you're, you know... Uh, you basically are wearing Depends while watching Maury Povich all day. And your best thing that you could say is, oh, I wish I would have, you know, I had a Maserati or a Lamborghini one. Like, I have a friend who's got a white Porsche. And honestly, he's a guy, and I just tease him relentlessly for a white Porsche is such, uh, you can't send a, a signal that you're, there's something wrong with you harder and faster than that. That there's something mentally deranged in your head. Uh, at least get a color other than white if you're going to get a Porsche. Which, again, lovely vehicle if you're a multimillionaire and you've saved enough for retirement. Uh, I would much rather you get a, a you know nice, reliable forty to $60,000 car than having you know, a $110,000, $120,000 car. I'd, I'd rather you give some of that money to charity. So make yourself feel good by giving instead of having material possessions. So I know, I know you're saying, but Madonna said we're living in a material world and I need to be like Madonna. I think in the end we all die. Uh, in the end. That Johnny Cash song where he redoes Trent Reznor's song, oh, breaks my heart. Johnny Cash was like so close to like greatness. So close to greatness. And then along came a guy named Elvis Presley. And, you know, Johnny Cash kind of, you know, he could have been, but he didn't. And he drank. And he drank, and he drank, and he drank. Anyway, uh, another way to be, make a million dollars is to figure out where your career is going to be and buy a home. 
there's no shame in owning a home, even at today's prices, if you're going to be in it for 10, 20, 30 years. Hopefully 30. Um, if you go back and talk to your parents, you know, it's Mother's Day, Father's Day, uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, whenever you talk to some relative of yours who's older than you, older generation, ask them what it was like when they bought their house. I bought my house in Santa Rosa. It was $12,000, and the guy who sold it to me actually lent me $2,000. And today it's worth $400,000. And he was stressed out of his mind when he bought it 30 or 40 years ago. Um, I've got a friend who just moved from Berkeley up to Oregon. And, you know, she had a beautiful story. Like, you know, 35 years ago, me and my husband bought this house, and we we built a garden, and out of that garden came tomatoes, but also our daughter. I'm like, what? Your daughter came from a tomato plant? No. I was trying to say that it was a home, and they, they loved it, and they, they took care of it. Um, owning a home is a great thing. It's a nice tax deduction. Woohoo! Save that tax deduction and put it in the bank. Um, home prices don't always rise. Um, the housing bust will wipe out equity for plenty of people. But over the long term, you're more likely to reach your goal of you know a million plus if you own a home than if you rent. So you basically lock in your monthly housing payment to yourself. And you know I've got one mortgage that I was just recently looking at that 75 percent of the money goes to interest. The other mortgage that I have 50 percent. Then I got a business mortgage where it's the same thing that like you start looking at like through the years. Less is going to go to interest, more is going to go to Yale. So right now the 30-year mortgage is at such lows that I think it, if you could own a home, you don't have to own the biggest home. Um, I've got one of the smallest homes on, on the best streets. And my home is a teardown for whoever buys it from me. I don't have to have 2,500 square feet. 1,600 is more than fine for me. Um, 1700 is good. 2000 is lovely. But then when you start getting to 25, 3000, like, what's the point? What's the point? Unless you're going to be a family of six, you don't need space like that. You're just being egregious. You're showing off. So, um, I always have a little bit of extra money so I can buy stocks when they're cheap. Uh, let me give you an example. If you liked Apple at 100 and then it goes to 110 and 120 and 130, you damn well better love it when it goes to 90. Same thing with Facebook. This song rips me up. It makes me have every regret in my life come out. Every regret. Every mistake is right here in the song. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. 
You know, you hear the stories about people win the lottery and they lose all their money. You're like, if I won $200 million, I would just blow it all. Um, it, it, the same bad habits that a, someone who has $200 million, you probably have. And that's the funniest part about it. Um, is how many dumb money choices that we make on a consistent basis. I'm trying to highlight some of the ones where it pays off for you. You know, buy stocks when things are cheap. Uh, when a company goes lower that you really like. Not a company like, um, and I'll just throw it out there, like a lending tree where it's just peer-to-peer finance lending. Not that one, because that one can go to zero. But a company that you really like, like Facebook, that you think is going to be around in 10 years. Nike. Uh, companies like Visa. Companies like Wells Fargo. Um, you can figure out, a, you know, these tried and true kind of companies. Now, they all of them have different kind of risks. Some of them have foreign exposure, or currency risks. Some of them have um, labor risks. Some of them have, you know, or some of them are too conservative. So you should learn in your head to buy things on sale when it comes to stocks. So I hate up markets. Not like, boo, but it just makes it tougher. I have no problems with you buying a company like Amazon.com. And when you look at it, you're like, holy crap, this is expensive. Like, no way. Way too expensive. It's up, you know, 9,200%, and it has no PE. And they have a CEO who says, you know, hey, let's come up with a delivery service that comes in two days. Um Whoa, well, that changed the world. Prime. Well, let's give away TV when we do it. Wonderful. Um, let's do it in one day. No, you can't be saying that. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. You can't possibly do that. Oh, we can do it. And we can do it in three hours. Woo! The world rejoices. I have no problem with you buying a company like Amazon. One company like Amazon. It's a story stock. It's an amazing stock. It's a wonderful stock. Um, it's a momentum stock. Try not to buy too many of those. Because when the momentum fades, it fades pretty darn fast. Last year's winner could be this year's loser. So if you look at someone like an Amazon, and you go, okay, I get it. Compare it. Like Maybe you balance that in your portfolio with Maybe you own 2% of Amazon or 1% of Amazon and 2% of like a uh, tractor supply or something that's a little bit more slow grower that you got to assume that Amazon is going to get in the business of selling everything, but probably not tractors. Although, who knows? I saw the weirdest business concept the other day. Um, they're going to bring gasoline to you. <laughs> so you want gasoline, they bring it to your house, put it in your car for you. We're that kind of lazy now. So back to that comment, you know, to get wealthy, stop buying these. If you're going to buy momentum stocks, just buy one. If you're going to buy story stocks, just buy one. Most of your stuff should be reasonably priced growth and or value. And it should be diversified with small, mid, and large cap. A great thing to do if you can is earn some income on the side if you want to become wealthy. Uh, And save that income is just ideal. Whether you walk dogs, whether you um, 
you know, played the piano for 15 years, and now you can tutor the neighbors could for 20 bucks an hour instead of what's the going rate, like 80 now? Parents want that $20, you know, starter option. Highly recommend all kids learn to play uh, piano at age five and six, if you get the opportunity. But highly recommend you don't pay, buy them a piano, and highly recommend uh, you don't pay, you know, a tutor 80 bucks an hour um, until the kid's good. So earn income on the side, any way that you can do it. I've got a friend who's leaving his job, and he's going to work for a better company. I'm like, why don't you offer to work weekends for these guys? Why don't you, you know, keep your toe there? There's a website called retirementjobs.com. Encore.com. Encore.org. Retirementjobs.com and Encore.org. If I didn't save enough for retirement, you know what I'm going to do? Let's say I'm single on on like 65. I'm going to garden because I like to garden. I'm going to be a plumber for the neighborhood. I'm going to I'm gonna have some sort of skill when I'm in retirement that hopefully I can go over to some little ladies' houses and help them and they'll say, Can I pay you? And I'll be like, Well yes and you know uh get twenty bucks an hour or ten bucks an hour or whatever. So that could be a you know, your meal. So uh big mistake I see people make uh, that stops them from making a million plus dollars something you should take advantage of is not is capitalizing on a windfall. I've got family members who inherited money and they decided to give their children, two children, uh, $200,000 house, $200,000. One of them to buy a home and the other one to be fair with the other one. Well, the couple that got $200,000 to buy a home, they went out and spent it. They didn't buy a home. So they're not going to capitalize on a windfall. The daughter who got the $200,000, she already lived, owns a home. She's able to put that money to work and invest it. Um, don't buy a car. God, I hate the idea of using an inheritance to buy a car. I hate it because it's so disrespectful of the person who died. It's like you worked your whole life to you know, have a nest egg that you could leave behind. I'm going to go blow it. It's just not what it was meant to be. Anyhow, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Trying to show you how to make money, how to save money. Uh, One more thing you want to do is protect yourself with the proper levels of insurance. You get wealthy, you don't want to lose it due to some sort of accident. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Find me at Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show, and Twitter Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.